Hey, it's me, the Kentucky Guy, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Red Pill Current News Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, including the Mike Pence and the documents found there at the former vice president's home. We're also going to talk a little bit about Donald Trump and how he actually stood up for Mike Pence once this all happened. We want to talk about a few other things as well, including the current news that's going around everywhere about the next pandemic that they discuss in the WEF, the World Economic Forum. This and the imploding petrodollar and more on this episode of the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Enjoy the show. Uh-huh. All right, and welcome to another episode of the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I am your award-winning truth seeker host, the Kentucky Guy, and I hope everybody's having a fantastic week so far. Hope you're having a great day. It's a snowy kind of day here in the beautiful state of Kentucky. If this is your first time listening, we are on all major platforms, so be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. We are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and the list goes on. 73, 73 different audio platforms we are now on. So uh, be sure to uh, hit that follow and subscribe button anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. All right, we do drop new episodes here every Wednesday and Saturday. We're going to be changing that to probably any two times a week because <laughs> we're always running a day behind and a dollar short. Uh, let's see if you ever would like to be a guest on the show or have any questions for me, the Kentucky guy, you can always email me at ol Kentucky spelled out 99 at yahoo.com. That's old Kentucky 99 at yahoo.com for you sports fans out there. What a time in today's world of wrestling. I do co-host a wrestling podcast against the match wrestling podcast to be exact with Donnie cage. And we do drop new episodes there. Every Monday and Friday. Be sure to check out tomorrow's episode. We will have a third co-host on, Warren. He will be on, let's see, he's going to come on and we're going to do our SummerSlam prediction, or not SummerSlam, Lord have mercy, so sorry, Royal Rumble, our Royal <laughs> Rumble predictions. And uh, Marlo, the reason, uh, Warren Marlo, the reason why I messed up on that is because he was on our show right before SummerSlam and did predictions with us. So yeah, so anywho, like I said, if you uh if you like sports, if you like wrestling, be sure to tune in. We have a real good time on there and a lot of fun. All right, so let's get into today's headlines on the geopolitical, political economic crash in this beautiful country of America. First headline up Actually, this isn't a headline. <laughs> this is something that I have put together myself because I believe I put together one, one, one of these two items are going to be our next global pandemic. And this is from studying and watching the World Economic Forum last week and how they talked about these two things. I can actually see this happening. The first one, is a major cyber attack. I'm talking a major cyber attack. And once again, I believe these are going to be 
These are going to be false flags. They're going to be scares, unlike COVID. I don't think they're actually going to be able to get away, like actually pull them off. But here is what they are planning in our minds. Major cyber attack where everything shuts down. Can't drive. You have zero electricity. Everything across the board. Blackouts everywhere. Not the good blackouts either. The bad ones everywhere. Chaos. Chaos. That's the one. It's one of the, one of the two. And the next one, you guys write these down. You hold me accountable. Do your own research, by the way. Never believe anything I say or anyone else says, but you write these, you write this stuff down. The second one, one of these two. I don't think they're going to try both. Remember, guys, I've seen the playbook. I know that the alien invasion was going to be one because it's right there in their playbook. However, however, we just didn't fall for it. It just didn't work. They're still trying it a little bit. You'll still hear, see these crazy articles about Area 51 and uh, now we're seeing like the military seeing UFO. It's it's garbage. Okay. The next one, and this is pretty serious, especially this would be, if this one did happen, this would be them using biological warfare like they did with the coronavirus when they released it on us. And that's tuberculosis. Look, basically what that is, is the disease caused by germs that are spread from person to person through the air. Sound familiar? TB usually affects the lungs but it can also affect other parts of the body, such as the brain, the kidneys, or the spine. A person with TB can die if they do not get treatment. You see, there were so many things discussed. Tuberculosis, actually, that word came up at the forum. Very, very mildly and gently. Like, it wasn't repeated over and over, but they said it out loud. They're trying to tell you what they're going to do. That's, that's, that's how these, they love, they love playing games and they're trying to tell you what they're going to do. Very simple. Just like Dr. Fauci, when Trump first got elected, go, go to your own research. He said, this was in 2016, by the way, he said Trump will have a president during Trump's presidency. He'll have to face a major pandemic. Ah, huh. what is Fauci? Not only a doctor, but a mind reader as well. You see what I'm saying? It was a biological weapon to depopulate the earth and, or to help depopulate it, and to what? To force mail-in ballots for the 2021 election, 2020 election. So I'm not going to get started on that today. But here's the, here's what they're doing, folks. They want, they, even though people are dropping dead everywhere, and I'm sorry to be so blunt about it, but they are. People are, younger people who are athletes are dying with heart attack. And it all comes back to the jab. It comes back to the jab. And we're just now starting to see it. Now, they're talking, and this hasn't slowed them down at all. Now they're talking about other vaccines and more vaccines. They're also talking about having one vaccine for the flu and COVID-19. Yes, they are. Go look it up. It's ridiculous. And people are, that's what, you know, we have a new house of representatives and, and they have a new committee, a couple of them. One of them is about the DOJ using our government official agencies to target American citizens and American uh, domestic terrorists and all that 
stupid stuff that they've been doing, right? So here's the thing. Why doesn't that committee start asking, why are people dropping dead? You see it all the time. Why, I, you know, even in, a, I'm not just talking about in America, in other countries, people playing soccer and then they collapse. And next thing you know, they're gone. Wake up. What is going on here? How many people do you know that they got the vaccine? And they're like, nah, I didn't get the second one. Nah, 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 nah. And then you know people who got them all and the boosters and they're still getting COVID and getting sick. Therefore, it doesn't work. Who cares who's right on this? Seriously, I've been against the jab, lost friends over it and everything. People didn't want anything to do with me for a while, some people. And I'm talking about people that I was pretty close to because I, because I was against it. All right. Guess what? I'm not walking around saying I told you so. I'm sad. Who cares who's right on this? Let's put an end to it. Let's stop losing people. It's ridiculous. Okay. Next headline. U.S. and Saudi tensions implicates for the petro implications for the petrodollar system. Yeah, this is a this is a major one. I wanted to get to with the U.S. and Europe becoming less dependent on the West Asian oil imports, and China and India becoming the main markets for the GCC hydrocarbons exports. The petrodollar system that came into existence in the 1970s has come under stress, with oil being traded increasingly in non-U.S. denominated currencies. The recent tensions between the U.S. and the Saudi Arabia over a range of issues in the wake of the ongoing Russia-Ukraine war and growing ties of the GCC states with both Russia and China has only worsened problems for the petro system, which may potentially have serious implications for the global finance economic order. Recent tensions between the United States and Saudi Arabia and an influenced member of the Organization of the petro- Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC countries, in the wake of the ongoing war has revived concerns about new challenges to the so-called Petrodollar system was plays a pivotal role in the functioning of the global financial and economic order. It's funny how some of these articles, they take the same sentences and just put a couple of different lines in there, but it says the same thing. Anyways, with the emergence of Asian countries as the main consumer of petroleum products, oil is being increasingly traded in currencies other than the U.S. dollar. Even in the Western states are rapidly shifting their energy dependence out of oil and into alternative, mainly renewable sources of energy. This has weakened the petroleum uh, dollar system, which for almost half a century made the U.S. dollar the standard for global trade and finance. At the heart of the petrodollar system lies the relationship between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia, leading members of the OPEC. Wow. So in 2022, tensions raised, like we said, over the issues of of not only the production of oil, but also to trading of oil in U.S. dollars. And in March, March, it became so tense that the leaders of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab declined to arrange calls with U.S. President Joe Biden as the U.S. and its allies sought to contain a surge in energy prices caused by Russian invasion of Ukraine. 
This led to a flurry of Western heads of states visiting Rihan, mainly to urge Saudi Arabia to stand with the U.S. and Europe and increase oil production to ease rising petroleum prices during the Russia-Ukraine war. Thus, UK's then-Prime Minister Boris Johnson visited in March of last year, 2nd in June. Joe Biden himself visited Saudi Arabia. 3rd in July, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, properly known as MBS, was invited by the French President Emmanuel Macron to Paris for talk. In September, German Councillor Olaf Scholz visited Saudi Arabia and other Arab states. The theme of all these meetings was to keep Saudi Arabia away from the Russia-China club and to urge it to increase oil productions for the energy-starved economies of Europe and the inflation hit in the U.S. In fact, President Biden outlined a five-part new framework for the Middle East that included supporting economic development and military security. However. Saudi Arabia did not accept the demands of the U.S. and its allies to increase oil production to reduce prices and did not take up Western calls to join countries putting sanctions on Russia. The kingdom also decided to side with the decision of the 23-member state OPEC plus organization founded in 2016 that includes Russia to cut daily oil production by 2 million barrels per day. This resented this resulted in a 2% reduction in global oil supply, the biggest cut in the last two years. The Saudi decision was perceived by the White House and Western commentators as being coordinated with Russia, which currently sells more crude oil than Saudi Arabia. Even when Biden asked Saudi Arabia to delay its decision on oil output by a month until after the U.S. midterm elections, the MBS-led Saudi government did not relent, but defended its output cut by saying all OPEC decisions are based solely on economic forecasts and the need. In fact, Saudi Arabia's King Holding Company invested uh, U.S. dollars $500 million in Russia, three main energy companies, almost at the time of the commencement of the Russia-Ukraine war. What is more surprising is that Saudi Arabia in 2022, more than doubled its import of Russia oil to meet its domestic requirements, such as for electricity generators generation, even as it sold much of its console oil around the world. This behavior proved Joe Biden no end, who issued a warning to the king of consequences in early October of last year. Uh, similarly, Democratic Senator Bob Mendez of U.S. State Foreign Relations Committee threatened to stop the sale of weapons to Saudi Arabia with other Democrats even asked the U.S. to withdraw the 5,000 remaining American troops from any other bases in the Persian Gulf. U.S. efforts to salvage ties with Saudi Arabia, despite this initial outrage, Biden's administration has backtracked, of course, because he's a wimp. He's not strong. Okay, and has tried to woo its old ally back into the foe. On the second day of October in 2018, the Washington Post columnist, an alleged CIA agent, Jamel, was murdered by a Saudi Arabia hit squad inside the Saudi uh, consulate in Istanbul. In February 2021, a U.S. intelligence report finally charged 
charge that the hit squad was working under the express command of the Saudi crown prince. Yet, as a goodwill gesture to appease an old friend, the Biden administration ruled in November that because Mohammed bin Salim is the head of the state of a friendly country, he enjoys immunity from the jurisdiction of the U.S. courts. The ruling by Biden administration actually left the federal judge in Washington with no choice but to reluctantly dismiss the lawsuit against MBS with this observation. Despite the court's uneasiness, the United States has informed the court that he is immune. Again, the Biden administration quelled the passage of the NOPEC antitrust legislation after quietly excluding it from a bill in December of 2022. The bill, if passed, would have allowed cases to be filed against OPEC's attempt to limit production of petroleum to increase price. Biden made another appeasing overturn towards the crown prince on the 13th day of December of 2022, yielding to strong opposition from the U.S. administration. Democratic Senator Bernie Sanders withdrew his war power resolution, the Yemen War Powers Act, that would have ended U.S. support for the Saudi-led war on Yemen. <laughs> so this is absolutely just insane. As you can see, the we're not only going to lose our energy, which we could, we have more than all of it. We have more than Saudi Arabia and, I'm talking about oil, and Saudi Arabia and Russia put together. So the dollar, the U.S. dollar is so weak right now and could be could be worse. So let's put it simply, okay? Petrodollar is a combination of two words, petroleum and the U.S. dollar. Most of the oil traded worldwide today is in the U.S. dollar. This arrangement goes all the way back to 1974 when the U.S.-Saudi agreement arrived at an end aftermath of the uh, Yom Kippur War and a subsequent oil embargo imposed by the Gulf state. The U.S. Secretary of State, Henry, here's his name again, Henry Kissinger, and then the prince, the crown prince, Bihad of Saudi Arabia, signed an agreement to establish two joint commissions, the U.S.-Saudi Joint Commission for Economic cooperation, and the U.S.-Saudi Arabian Joint Security Commission. In these agreements, the U.S. government promised to provide increased economic and military innovation and aid to Saudi Arabia. In exchange, Rihad agreed to exclusively price all of its oil in U.S. dollars. Thus, any nation that would import Saudi oil was required to exchange their currency to U.S. dollars before completing this transaction. The remaining OPEC countries followed Saudi Arabia's petrodollar president in 1975. Do you see, do you see what's happening here? The U.S. dollar, though, fell in value after President Richard Nixon decoupled the currency from the gold peg in 1971 and found a new support in the proverbial black gold or petroleum. This started the age of the petroleum dollar. And that's where that name comes from. A lot of you may have been wondering, 
why I call it the petroleum dollar. That's the legal. That's the name of the U.S. dollar, the, the official name, and that's why. So, and we have, you know, you have another one, right? Another issue, a huge issue, I should say, uh, on that makes relevant how these developments are is the Indian economy. The U.S. dollar is is today a very costly currency for buying an essential commodity like crude oil. In fact, the share of U.S. dollar reserves held by central banks in countries around the world has fallen to 59%. It's the lowest level in 25 years. During the fourth quarter of 2020, according to the IMF's currency composition of official foreign exchange reserve survey. But that does, but does that mean that the India should back China back petroleum in, initiative? A yen, petrol yen, that's what they want to call it. Uh, they're working with China now to accept yen for oil, as it would be tantamount to moving from one currency's expirate privileges to that of another. The U.S. Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, takes independent decision on monetary policy to serve the interests of the U.S. economy. But as the U.S. dollar is also the global currency, the Federal Reserve monetary policy actions at times affect the value of other countries, currencies, and commodities, which has particularly de uh, detrimented impact on the currencies of developing countries. The time has come for India to not only keep a tab on the developments on the global financial front, but also perhaps participate in bringing about a more just and broad-based monetary system involving a basket of currencies and commodities for a more secure and fair financial monetary order for the future of the world. Once again, one world government, one world currency, one world religion. When will they stop? When? They're not going to stop. We have to stop. They're not going to stop. They're, they're not. They have an agenda and they're losing and they're clinching on to whatever they can. They're going to try to use this. Petrodollar fell. We're stronger than Saudi Arabia, by the way. We could, if we had a strong leader, we'd just go get it. You're not doing this. Well, this week president, he doesn't care because this is part of his agenda as well. And this would be the one way that they break the dollar and get us into this ridiculous digital currency. All right, so let's move on to the next headline. Meta to restore Donald Trump's Facebook Instagram account, Donald Trump gestures at a rally. Social networking giant Meta announced Tuesday it would soon reinstate former Donald President Donald Trump's accounts on Facebook and Instagram with new guardrails, two years after he was banned over the 2021 Capitol breach. Quote, we will be reinstating Mr. Trump's Facebook and Instagram accounts in the coming weeks. Nick Kledge, Meta's president of global affairs, said in a statement, according to the move, would come with new guardrails in place to deter repeat offenses. Going forward, the Republican leader, who has already declared himself a 2024 presidential candidate, could be suspended for up to two years for each violation of platform policy. Blake said. It was not clear when or if Trump will return to the platforms, and his representatives did not immediately respond 
jury request for comment. But the 76-year-old tycoon reacted in typical fashion, declaring that Facebook had lost billions of dollars in value in his apps. And you know what? I, I'd have to agree with that. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. Especially Twitter. I'm sure they did. Quote, such a thing should never happen to a sitting president or anybody else who's not deserving of retribution, he said on his Truth Social platform. Facebook banned Trump a day after the January 6, 2021 uprising when uh, throngs of his supporters seeking to halt the certification of his elected defeat to Joe Biden stormed the Capitol in Washington. However, that wasn't his supporters. <laughs> man, oh man. Even even some of the halfway decent news reporter journalists still get it wrong. Still get it wrong. The former reality TV star had spent weeks claiming that the presidential election was stolen, which it was from him. He was uh, subsequently impeached for inciting the riot. He remains adamant that he incited no no one and that the election was marred by fraud. Of course it was. So obvious. Go watch 2000 Mule. In her letter asking for the ban to be overturned, Trump's lawyers, Scott Gass, said last week that media, that Mita had dramatically distorted and inhabited the public disclosure. He asked for a meeting to discuss Trump's prompt reinstatement to the platform of Facebook, where he had where he had, he had 34 million followers, arguing that his status as the leading contender for the Republican nomination in 2024 justified ending the ban. American Civil Liberties Union Executive Director Anthony Romero said Meadow was making the right call by allowing Trump back onto the social media network. Quote. Like it or not, President Trump is one of the country's leading political figures, and the public has a strong interest in hearing his speech, Ramona said in a press release. Indeed, some of Trump's most offensive social media posts ended up being critical evidence and lawsuits filed against him and his administration. The ACLU has filed more than 400, <laughs> none of them sticking, by the way, legal actions against Trump according to Romero. Advocacy groups such as Media Matters for America, however, opposed allowing Trump to exploit Facebook's social networking reach. Make no mistake, by allowing Donald Trump back on its platform, Media is refueling Trump's misinformation and extremism engine, said the Media Matters president, Angelo Cressota. Quote, this is not only... This not only will have an impact on Instagram and Facebook users, but it also presents intensified threats to civil society <laughs> and essential threat to the U.S. democracy as a whole. Oh, go go back under your rock. A U.S. Congress Congressal Committee recommended in December that Trump be prosecuted for his role in the U.S. Capitol assault. Trump and his allies dismissed the recommendations as the product of highly partisanism effort to discredit him ahead of the next presidential election. His Twitter account, which has 88 million followers, was also blocked after the riot, leaving him to communicate through Truth, Truth Social, where he has fewer than 5 million followers. 
Trump shock victory in 2016 was credited in part of his leverage of social media and his enormous digital reach. New Twitter owner Elon Musk reinstated Trump's account last November, days after the brash billionaire announced a fresh White House run. He has yet to post. I think he will, though. I think he will. I, I, I just, uh, Truth Social, I'm on Truth Social. Truth Social is not a bad app. It's just, it's not growing. Twitter is America's town hall. Let's just be honest about it. And I think he's going to, he's going to have to. He's going to come back to Twitter. And I'm okay with that. I'm on Truth Social. I'll stay on Truth Social as long as it's open. I'm just saying it's hard to get people, people get in a routine and they get comfortable and it's hard for them to change. And unless you shut Twitter down completely, Truth Social will never be Twitter. And I think Trump's starting to realize that. It's hard. It's hard for a guy like him to swallow. I get it. But I think this needs to happen. I seriously do. Next headline. Senator Ted Cruz and Ralph Norman introduce a constitutional amendment to impose term limits for Congress. Love this. On Tuesday, Senator Ted Cruz and Ralph Norman introduced constitutional the amendment would limit senators to two six-year terms. That's quite a bit. That's 12 years. And representatives to three two-year terms. From the time of enactment, Cruz has previously presented the amendment in 2017, 2019, and 2021. The amendment is co-sponsored by 11 Republican senators. In a statement, Cruz said, the term limits are essential for fixing the brokenness of Washington, D.C. He urged his colleagues to advance the amendment to the states for ratification into a constitutional amendment. Quote, term limits are critical to fixing what's wrong with Washington, D.C. The founding fathers advised a government of citizen legislators who would serve for a few years and return home, not a government run by a small group of special interests and lifelong permanently entrenched politicians who prey upon the brokenness of Washington to governor in a manner that is totally unaccountable to the American people, Cruz said. Norman spoke on the relevance of the amendment in a Monday press release, emphasizing that the elected the elect office should be a short-term privilege of service, not a career choice. Nick Tumbleus, executive director of U.S. Term Limits, thanked Cruz for his leadership on the issue, saying these sub-majorities of both Republicans and Democrats support term limits. A two-thirds majority in both houses of Congress is required to propose a constitutional amendment, which must be ratified by three-fourths of the state legislators. Currently, the president is subjected to term limits thanks to the 22nd Amendment, as are 36 governors and 15 legislators. U.S. term limits reported that between 1964 and 2018, 2018 Congress had a 90% re-election rate, which could be reversed with term limits, offering more candidates a chance to run for office. I think this is great. I think it needs to happen. boy, Cruz, you've done a lot of good things. You continue to do so. Very proud of you. Uh, stay where you're at and keep fighting a good fight. I, I like this term limit. I think it has to happen. Has to happen. Got to happen. Next headline. Putin, courting Taliban, 
for U.S. weapons, a Biden disaster. Uh-huh. Yep, you heard that right. All right, Representative Jim Banks, Republican out of Indiana, on Wednesday, on Wednesday night, if they report that Russian President Vladimir Putin is negotiating with the Taliban to secure U.S. weapons left behind after its withdrawal from Afghanistan is accurate, that would be another example of what a disaster the Biden administration has become. The Telegram account, account of General SRV, widely reported to be run by a former Russian intelligence officer, said Tuesday that Putin is, is negotiating with the Taliban, which Russia, like the U.S., considers a terrorist group by offering to recognize the government in exchange for weapons badly needed by the Russian army as it struggles to gain ground in the 11th month war against Ukraine. The Taliban possesses, wep possesses weapons and equipment that are scarce for the U.S. Army at the front, including those seized, seized after coming to power in Afghanistan, the Post read. Following its rapid retreat from Afghanistan in August of 2021, the U.S. left behind more than $7.1 billion in military equipment, including rifles, machine guns, drones, armored vehicles, and helicopters. Quote, this hits home very personally for me, Banks, who sits on the Armed Services Committee, told Robert Schmidt last night, I serve in Afghanistan. I was a part Part, I was part of those efforts of turning military equipment over to the Af Afghan army, Afghan police, so they could fight back against the Taliban. To fight out all those weapons are going to end up in the hands of one of our biggest enemies at the same time as we're spending tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine to fight back against the same people we have given them inadvertently our own weapons too. It just goes to show you what a disaster Joe Biden has been as president, as chief commander. The end of the Biden administration cannot come soon enough. Banks said he was happy to see Germany agreeing to send leopard tanks to Ukraine and give the green light for Poland to do the same. The move comes at the same time as Biden. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to go to war. Biden promised to send 31 M1 Abrams tanks to Ukraine. Banks said Europe needs to play a larger role in the conflict in its backyard. The Biden administration has been an absolute debacle and an embarrassment in how it has handled Ukraine from the beginning and even beforehand. I would urge the reason Putin invaded Ukraine to begin with is because of the weak Biden administration and the posture of Biden himself. No doubt. No doubt. Tell it like it is, buddy. Tell it like it is. So that report, right, that headline and that report comes out. Now, you want to hear something really scary? Check out this next headline. A report states, official report, by the way, U.S. military readiness at risk. Weapons supply would be, would be depleted in a week if a conflict arrived with China. Yeah. A new report from the Center for Strategic and International Studies, has warned that in the event of a conflict with China, the United States weapons supply could be depleted in a single week due to a lack of long-range precision-guided uh, munitions. The study was based 
on a data from the top military defense officials, as well as congressional and defense industry leaders. Seth Jones, the author of the report, commented that the defense industry is better suited to a peacetime environment and is unable to effectively deter in the face of such shortages. Quote, the bottom line is defense industry base, in my judgment, is not prepared for the security environment that now exists. Jones added that the defense industry is currently better suited for the peacetime efforts. How do you effectively deter if you don't have sufficient stockpile of the kinds of munitions you're going to need for a China-Taiwan straight kind of scenario? The study highlighted that the U.S. defense industry does not have the necessary surge capacity for a major war and that it will likely take years to replenish the munitions and arms that have been used up. Where they've been used up at? Oh, I don't know. We've been sending them to Ukraine. The history of industrial mobilization suggests that it will take years for the defense industry to produce and deliver the quantities of critical weapon systems and munitions to recapitalize stock that have been used up. The study added, Adam Darrell Fidel, the head of U.S. Fleet Forces Command, expressed his dissatisfaction with the defense industry, emphasizing that they need to deliver the required munitions quickly. The Pentagon reevaluated the quality, the quantity of munitions in December in light of the U.S. support for Ukraine, which had depleted the stockpile of weapons. According to Bill Laplace, Under Secretary of Defense for Acquisition and Supplement, it's only in times of urgency that action is taken to replenish the supply. You have almost a political environment like we have now where people see the urgency for it. Because in times of peace, in times of prosperity, it is one of the first things that falls off the budget. This urgency was further highlighted by the People's Liberation Army's uh, strike drill around Taiwan in response to provocations and collusions between Taiwan and the U.S. The Taiwan Defense Ministry tweeted that 71 Chinese warplanes and seven plane vessels had been de- uh, detected in the region. This was lately, Tuesday. Yeah, so once again, we give all these weapons. You know what? Forget about just the weapons that we give Ukraine, right? And we've been sending them on top of the billions and billions of dollars. But also think about all the weapons JoJo left behind in Saudi Arabia that it sounds like it's getting ready to be put into what? Russia's hands. How about that? How about that? How does that make you feel? You you guys you guys feel does that make you feel all warm and cozy inside? Huh? How about you liberals listen? I know there's a few of you listening. I've got emails from you. You little trolls. I love you. Love you. But tell me, how does that make you feel? Uh, you feel safe? Feel like you can go lay down tonight and rest peacefully and kiss your kid and your wife goodnight or your husband goodnight and just lay down and everything's going to be all right? Huh? Is that, is that what it is? You think that's what it is? So I'm not going to get into the next headline, the last headline, by the way. I'm going to read it to you. I'm not going to get into it because after I did it, okay, so a couple of hot topics, right? First of all, yes, there was 
there was more documents found at Joe Biden's home, classified documents. There have been classified documents found at Mike Pence's, former vice president, Mike Pence's home. These have all been found by their lawyers, right? Baloney that they're just accidentally, that has happened to be searching for no good reason just to do it and finding these papers. Think about this scenario. There's been subpoenas issued to where the lawyers had to, had to pour over classified documents. We know you got them. Here's the subpoena. We need to have them by this date made public. Just throwing that scenario out there, folks. Just saying, awful funny how bad, you know, how hypocritical Mike Pence and Joe Biden look. They both come out strong, strong against Trump when they were saying that he had classified information. And he's the only one out of the three, by the way, that are allowed to have them because he can declassify them, and he did. So please, you little trolls out there, wake up. And by the way, if Joe Biden's got all this, how many classified documents does Obama have? I wonder. Ooh, Hussein Obama. Anyways, the next headline that I'm just going to read, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> read the first paragraph, and that's it. Only so I don't want to leave you hanging. This guy makes me sick anyway, so don't really like talking about him. Anyways, here we go. Last headline. Pope Francis. Yeah, you little forerunner for the Antichrist guy. Quote, homosexually is a sin, but not a crime. Well, I'm surely glad that you're at least calling it a sin there, pal. Pope Francis criticized laws that criminalize homosexuality as unjust, saying God loves all his children just as they are, and called on Catholic bishops who support the laws to welcome LGBTQ, whatever, you know, that big old gay organization, people into the church. Okay, so it's a sin but you're going to allow it into your church? I don't understand. Who cares if, okay, who cares if it's not against the law or not? I don't, I, you just, you called it a sin. Francis acknowledged that the Catholic bishops in some parts of the world support laws that criminalize homosexuality or discriminate against the LGBTQ community. And he himself referred to the issue in terms of a sin. But, he attributed such attitudes to cultural backgrounds and said bishops, in particular, need to undergo a process of change to recognize the dignity of everyone. Wow, I'm telling you, you guys think this guy's radical? By the way, there is a new book out I highly recommend. It just came out. It's from Pope Benedict. Actually wrote the book and in secret. Yeah. And it's out now, from my understanding. And, oh, man, it tells you the blatant truth. You remember, Pope Benedict was the first one in several, several years that actually resigned from being Pope. And we always wondered why, right? Why did he just all of a sudden, you know, resign? Popes, popes don't do that. They're usually there till their death or till their health uh, decreases so bad that they can't serve anymore. This was not. This was not the case with Pope Benedict. And I, I, I highly, 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 highly recommend 
that you guys get a chance to read that book. I'm going to. I'm going to. I, I want to see what's going on. I, I There's so much. I heard there's so much, not just about Pope Francis, but but also about the Catholic Church itself and how criminal they are and some of the horrible things that they're involved in. Now, also, I do want to go on record and say uh, Donald Trump, he did defend Mike Pence, uh, who was his vice president, after it was revealed that the classified documents were found at Pence's home. His quote, what was his, his quote was, Mike Pence is an innocent man. He never did anything knowingly dishonest in his life. Leave him alone. Trump actually posted that on Truth Social. Now, why is Trump defending Mike Pence or the traitor from January 6th? Remember, Trump is way farther ahead of the game than you and I ever thought about being. He's so many steps ahead. Just like, the look what's happening. If you don't believe me, look what's happening in the House of Representatives. Look what McCarthy, if he keeps this up, he's going to go down as the best House Speaker we have ever had. And you think he's really coming up with all this on his own? You really think he's got this kind of backbone on his own? I told you guys, if he gets in with Trump endorsing him, Trump's got something on him, and Trump's pulling the string. Don't never doubt it. He's pulling the strings, and it's good. It's a good thing he is, folks. Like him or love him or hate him, it is a good thing because there are so many rotten policies that need to be overturned by this fake administration that somebody... And it's going to take somebody with some thick skin to fix it. And he's the only one I can think of. It's not Ron DeSantis. It's surely not Mike Pence or any of these other Cracker Jacks they're talking about. All right, folks. That's all the time I do have for today. You've been listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I've been your host, the Kentucky Guy. God bless and God bless America. Thank you all for listening. long does it take to tackle a home project with angie you could cross it off your list before this ad is over just tell us what you need indoor or outdoor repair or redesign and we handle the rest sending a top pro to get it done you don't have to lift a finger except to tap the screen or click the mouse plus angie is free to use so bring us your next home project and we'll bring it home download the app or go to angie.com that's a-n-g-i.com to get started